Thank you all for coming, braving the weather on this cold and not very nice Saturday morning, particularly thanks to Meg and Nicole and Charlotte and all the Chavez family that helped them get, uh, get here ready and do the breakfast. I know for a lot of us, we feel getting here at 8.30 is early and is hard on a Saturday, which it is, but these guys have been here since about 7.30, so thank you for doing that. And I can't go without giving Steve Karatsas a special mention. I know he's not here to hear it, but he has been out in the rain cooking us bacon. So when you see him, say thank you. And also to Ollie for doing the coffee. So, well, welcome to... Yeah, let's give him a... I don't know where he is. Is he in here? He's left. All right. Welcome to the first of our ladies' breakfast for this year. I think, like I said to you at the... Um, church family meeting. We actually have four plans, which I'm really excited about. I'm definitely looking forward to getting some new voices involved in that too. Um, but today we're going to be kicking off with being a woman of the word. So if you can open your Bibles to someone. We first started talking about what topics we should cover this year back in January, and um, it was suggested that being a woman of the word would be a good thing to do. And really since that time, I've just been reading about it, praying about it, studying, and just having a growing excitement and a growing burden for this topic for us as ladies. So I'm generally really excited that I get to stand here and talk to you about it today. There is no other topic I would rather be talking on this morning. And you know what? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you heard the announcement that it was going to be on being a woman of the word, and you were like, great, yes, I love reading my Bible. I can't wait to hear more about that and learn more about how I can grow in being a woman of the word. But I'm also aware that in a room this size, with the number of ladies in here that are, probably that wasn't everyone's response. That probably wasn't excitement was your first thought. And to be honest, it's not always been my first thought either when it comes to reading God's words. I mean, you've probably heard of the term yo-yo dieter. I've definitely been a yo-yo dieter, and still can be in my days. But um, I've also been a yo-yo quiet timer. Somebody that starts with quiet times, you get recommended a good devotional, you pick it up, you start, you keep going for a couple of weeks and all is good, then you miss a day, then you miss another day, then you lose track and you put it down and you get out of sync. And then you realise, no, this is important, I should be doing this and somebody recommends another one. So you pick this up thinking, you know, this is going to be the answer to my quiet time issues. I've got my chair ready, I've got where I'm going to go, got my coffee, this will be the answer. But the same happens again. And over time we drop it, we lose track and maybe that's you. Maybe you've even lost interest. Maybe you even think being a woman of the word is just not for you. You've tried it again and again, but it just isn't you. Or maybe you are just racked with guilt. Every time you open God's word, you're more aware of the gap there is between you, whether it be passing or presencing, but the gap between you and what God says in his word. And every time you read it, you just feel condemned. So you can't do it. You can't bring yourself to sit there and read what's in God's word. Well, whichever group you're in, thank you for coming this morning, because I really do believe this is an important topic for us. It is foundational. It is actually life-changing, which I know kind of sounds a little bit dramatic, but it really is. Being a woman of the word really will change your life. So let's begin this morning by reading Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray before we get into that. Lord, we do thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, we thank you that we get to come and just hang out as ladies, Father. We thank you that we get to come and open your word as ladies. And I pray for each one of us here this morning. I pray that we won't be condemned. But Lord, I pray that we'll be encouraged. I pray that we'll be spurred on to become the women of the word that you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me. Lord, help me in my weakness. Would you help me to communicate well? Lord, that you may be glorified this morning. Amen. Now, I'm sure you've all heard of the term, you are what you eat, right? Basically the notion that to be fit and healthy, we need to eat good food. And there's no end of resources out there that tells us what we should eat. And to be honest, it changes pretty regularly. You know, years back, it was all about the low fat. Fat was bad. You shouldn't touch fat. All the food you should buy should be low fat. And then a couple of years ago, it kind of changed. And it was like, no, no, actually, fat is good for you. You should eat. There's some fats that is good for you. And you should stay away from the low fat because the things that they replace the fat with are worse for you. Last year, or the last couple of years, it's all been about the paleo kind of diet. And then I was listening to the radio at the beginning of this year, and it said, paleo's out and the grains are in. And I'm like, what? How do you know? Who knows what we should be eating? So, but the notion that you are what you eat, that we need to eat healthy food to be healthy people. Although, I'm sure we all know some people that defy this rule. I know I do, and Dave would be the person in my life that defies this rule. I mean, I knew before we got married that his diet wasn't great. I knew he didn't really like vegetables, but it wasn't, or fruit, or anything green, basically. (laughs) So, but it wasn't until we got married that I actually realised quite how bad he was. Um, And he's never really been a breakfast person, doesn't tend to eat breakfast, but I did notice that what he would do, he would get up in the morning, and before going out to work, he'd just open the fridge, take out the bottle of Coke, and just have a big swig. And that was, like, his breakfast. I'm like, how can you do that? How can you drink Coke at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning? It just doesn't happen. And for lunch, he wouldn't, didn't pack a lunch. He would just grab a packet of chips and a chocolate bar. That was him. He's done for the day. He's sorted. Um, so after we've been mad a little while, I did decide that I should probably try and help him in this, help him grow, help him be healthy. So I did start packing him lunch boxes. Initially, I just added a sandwich to his packet of chips and chocolate bar, which was fine. He enjoyed that. And then one day I thought, you know what, I think I'll just try an apple. I'll put an apple in his lunchbox, and maybe he'll see it there, and he might decide to try it. <laughs> so I put him there. <laughs> I didn't tell him. I packed his lunchbox. Here you are. Here's your lunch for the day. Off you go. And then he came home, and I was waiting, thinking, I wonder if he'll say anything. No, nah, didn't mention it. So eventually I said to him, how was your lunch? He's like, oh. It was disgusting. He said, I had to throw it all out because there was an apple in there and everything stunk of apple. <laughs> I was like, you hurried the whole lunch out just because there was an apple in your lunchbox. <laughs> Needless to say, he hasn't really improved in that. So we all know people that do defy those rules that seem to be able to eat what they want, when they want, and it doesn't seem to affect their weight. Anyway, but generally, I think we'd all agree that to be fit and healthy, we need to eat good food. To look good on the outside, to be healthy on the inside, it matters what we eat. And, you know, the Bible is clear that the same is true for us as Christians in our spiritual lives. What we put our souls, what we feed our souls, what we watch, what we read, it matters. What we meditate on, it affects us. And so the one thing that I want to talk to us about today, if you remember one thing from today, there's only one take-home that you have, is this. We are what we eat. So as ladies who love the Lord, we must feed on God's word. We are what we eat. We will become what we spend our time doing. We, so as ladies who love the Lord, we must feed 
on God's word. If we eat the food of this world, if we eat the drink of this world, we will become like this world. We won't be able to help it. We might not want to, but that's just how we become if we're feeding on their things. You know, Paul talks in 2 Corinthians about the sow and reap principle. Where we sow, there we will reap what we put in, we will get out. You know, you can't sow pumpkin seeds and expect to get potatoes. Just doesn't happen. We kind of see that in, in that kind of sense, but then when it comes to our own lives, we just think, oh, it doesn't matter too much. You know, I can still do this, and even though I've been in the world, I'm sure I'll still be a good Christian, I'll still be able to live for Jesus. But the reality is, if we feed on the junk of this world, we will become like the world. We won't be able to help it. But if we feed and meditate on God's word, on what God has intended to be our food, then we will be healthy as biblically defined. We will be blessed, we will be prosperous, and we will be fruitful in all we do. And that's what I want for us as ladies here at Sovereign Grace. I want us to be fruitful. I want us to be blessed. I want us to be um, prosperous in all we do. Not for our own gain, but for his gain, for his glory. So that when we get to the end of our lives, we look back and we don't think, what did I, what did I do? What did I waste my time doing? I want us to look back and say, no, we were fruitful for God's service. We were fruitful in the Lord. We were prosperous. And what we've done in this life has mattered in the next and gone through into eternity. That's what I want for us as ladies. But more importantly... That's what God wants for us. That's why he's put this psalm in the Bible. He wants us to be blessed, to be prosperous, and to be fruitful in all we do for his glory. So for our time together this morning, there's three things that I want us to look at. Firstly, what hinders us from feeding on God's word? Secondly, we're going to be looking at what is the fruit from feeding on God's word? And then thirdly, we're going to look at how can we grow in feeding on God's word? Because it is true, we are what we eat So as ladies who love the Lord, we must feed on God's word. So number one then, what hinders us from feeding on God's word? And you know what, I believe there are two things, two main things that hinder us from feeding on God's word. And the first one is unbelief. You know, I think if we went around the room and asked everyone the question, what stops you from spending time in God's word? What stops you from reading the Bible? I think probably one of the top excuses would be, I just don't have the time. I would love to be a woman of the word. I would love to spend time reading my Bible, but I just don't have the time. That's the number one excuse I think I hear from people, and it's also the number one excuse I think I've used over the years too. But I put it to you that we don't actually have a busyness problem. What we think is a busyness problem is actually a belief problem. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you're not busy. I know some of you might be sat here now thinking, you know what, if you just saw my week, if you saw my schedule, you know, I'm already up at five, I can't possibly get up any earlier, then my date is packed, so I get back, get back in the house about 9pm, and I can't possibly read then because I just fall asleep. I'm not saying we're not busy, I know a lot of you here, I know we do live busy lives, and it's the culture we live in, we are busy. I'm just saying I don't think busyness is our biggest problem. I think our biggest problem is a belief problem. And Melissa Kruger, who is a writer and a speaker for the Gospel Coalition, says this. We do not have a busyness problem. We have a belief problem. What we busy ourselves with is what we believe will give us life. I just thought that was just so true. We don't have a busyness problem. We have a belief problem. We choose our busyness to some degree. We choose what we spend our time doing. And what we spend our time doing, what we sell ourselves into, is what we believe will give us life. It's not primarily a busyness problem. It's that our belief is in the wrong place. And I know, I remember for me, myself, when we first got married, and um, I was working full-time and running the home and serving in the church, and I just thought, you know what, I just don't have time to have a quiet time. It's just too much on at the minute. 
But you know what? It's okay because we were going to pass this college. We got married in the April. We were going to go to pass this college in the August. It's like, it's just for a few months. I'll just hold off, getting up, doing quiet times just for a few months. And then when we get to America, I'll have so much time to do quiet times because I couldn't work in America because my visa didn't allow me to work. So I'm like, I'm going to have so much time. I could read the whole Bible all day if I wanted to. And I genuinely believed that's what was going to happen. <laughs> and then, you know, what? we got to America. And guess what? Still didn't happen. I found other things to busy myself with because ultimately I didn't believe it was that important. I didn't believe it was what was going to give me life. You know, it's like we've got a year in America. There's all these people I can spend time with. Surely it'd be a waste of opportunity not to do that. We're in America to see God's creation, see what he's done. I'm not going to get this opportunity all the time. I just chose to busy myself with other things. Ultimately, it wasn't a um, business problem. It was a belief problem. And when we say that we're too busy to spend time in the Word, spend time feeding, spend time sitting at Jesus' feet and praying, what we're really saying is that we don't actually believe life is found there. We might not say that, never say that with our mouths, because I don't think anyone in this room would say that with their mouths, but with our actions, what we're spending our time doing is we're saying that. We're saying we actually don't really think it's that important. I believe life can be found in these other things. And you know, this reality of looking at the Bible this way, of looking for life in other things, is actually not just a women problem. It's a men and women problem. It's not even just a 21st century problem. It actually dates right back to Bible times. In 2 Kings 17.15, talking about the Israelites, it says they despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings he gave them. They went after false, false, sorry, they went after false idols and became false. That's so powerful, isn't it? They went after false idols and became false. And that's what we do. They became worthless. They thought that these idols were what would bring them life. But actually they just became false. They drew them away from the who God was and spending time with him. And that's the same what our idols do for us. They draw us away. They pull us away from spending time in God's word, reading God's word. We think they're what will give us life, but actually all they do is make, us, make our lives meaningless and worthless. So the questions I want to ask us today for us to ponder for ourselves is, what are you running after? What do you believe will truly give you life? What do you spend your free time doing? What do you spend your time thinking about? What would other people who know you well say that you're running after? What would your kids say or your housemates say or your family say who know you well? What would they say you think truly will bring you life? Might be the gym, might be fitness, you might be a fitness freak. I would love to be a fitness freak. I've tried, it just didn't work. (laughs) But it might be career, it could be kids, could be studies could be holidays you could just be working for the next holiday to have that relaxation to have that downtime all these things they can be good things they're not bad in and of themselves none of these things are bad it's not wrong to be you know to go to the gym it's not wrong to have a good career it's not wrong to do studies not saying that but when we put them in the place of god when we believe that they will truly bring us life that's when they become idols and that's when they're wrong in our life and they won't they won't bring us life they'll make us worthless so, ladies, you know, if you're like me, at the times you struggle to be in God's word, I get that. I still do that at times. Let's not be deceived, though. Let's not think it's a busyness problem, because it's not really a business problem. It's a belief problem. We're busying ourselves with what we truly think will give us life. So that's the first thing. The first thing that hinders us from spending time in God's word is unbelief. The second thing is the enemy. You know, John 10.10 10 says... 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who is that thief? Is Satan. And how does he come? Well, he comes with only one purpose. What is that purpose? He's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to take us out. He wants to make us ineffective. He wants our lives not to count for Jesus. If he can distract us and make us things think that these things we're pursuing are going to give us life, he is clapping. He is happy. He has done what he is wanting to do. He has distracted us from being fruitful for Jesus. And you know what? He is the father of lies. You know, he doesn't tell us big outrageous lies. He doesn't tell us things that are obvious lies that we're not going to believe. He would never say, you don't need to read the Bible. Um, It's just rubbish. Because he knows that we wouldn't believe that. What he says is, no, it is important. But you know what? Right now, you're in a season where it's just not going to happen. You know what? Maybe you've got young kids. You're up in the night. You can't possibly get up any earlier. And, you know, when the nap time comes... You know, the best way you can serve your family is by resting. Surely you're going to be serving your family better if you're rested. And you know, you, there's always time to come back to God's word later. You know, when your kids sleep for the night or when they're in school, you will have plenty of time. That's what He says to us. Or you're studying. You know, you've got these exams coming up. It's really important that you pass these exams. I mean, you spent all this money on this uni course. Surely you want to pass. You want to be steward off your money, right? You don't want to waste that. That's what He says to us. You can get back to quiet times afterwards. You can get back to reading God's word in the future. It will come. Same with careers. Pursue that career. Get to the top. You get to the top. You be your own boss. You can choose when you work. You can have a quiet time as long as you like. You'll be your own boss. This is what he says to us. Pursue these things. Get these things. It's just a season. But don't believe the lies. It is not just a season. I have spoken to 15-year-olds that think it's just a season. I have spoken to 35-year-olds that think it's just a season. And I've spoken to 82-year-olds who think it's just a season. It is not a season. One season leads into another. And Satan uses those lies to drift us, to pull us away from what will ultimately give us life. And that's what I believed when I got married. I thought it was just a season that I would be putting my Bible on the shelf for that, holding off my quiet times. I full-on believed I'd be getting out again in America. I really believed that. So let's not believe those lies. And you know what? Satan is intentional. He's just not wandering around with not really a game plan. He has a game plan. He's intentional. 1 Peter 5.8 calls us to be sober-minded, to be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's pretty intentional, isn't it? That's pretty scary. And when I read that verse, it's like, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He is seeking to take us out. He's intentional in that. They are strong words. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be watchful. We need to remember that what hinders us from being women of the word, from spending time reading and praying and feeding on God's word, is not lack of time. It's unbelief. <clears throat> the belief that we really will find life in other things. And it's the enemy. He seeks to take us out. He seeks to make us worthless and ineffective. And if he can do that and he can stop us from feeding on God's word through feeding us lies, he will. And so often we let that happen. So I want to encourage us again this morning, ladies, we are what we eat. So as ladies who love the word, we must be feeding on God's word. We must make that a priority in our life. But we also must understand that there are things that hinder us. There are the unbelief and there is the enemy. But that's kind of all the bad news. (laughs) Sorry. But, you know, there is good news too, because when we do feed on God's word, there is much fruit to be had, like we saw in Psalm 1. And so the number two, what is the fruit from feeding on God's word? I found this section really hard because I didn't think there's so much fruit from feeding on God's word. So I originally had about six points and Dave's like, nah, 
you can't do that. <laughs> You'll be there till lunchtime. So I've cut it down to three. So number one, what are the, some of the fruits from feeding on God's word? We will be blessed. And if you look back again at Psalm 1, verses 1 to 2, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the feet of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now the Hebrew word for blessed actually means supremely happy. That doesn't mean that we're just going to walk around with big smiles on our faces all the time. That would just be weird. (laughs) But what it means is that we'll have this deep-seated joy. And Sam Storms writes this. He says, When the psalmist holds before us the prospect of being blessed, he has in view the state of soul in which we have come to know and enjoy God, a deep and abiding sense of satisfaction and joy, and having encountered the beauty and the majesty of the God who has Genesis 1 on his resume. I love that. It's like, that's who we get to spend time with when we're reading God's word. The God who has Genesis 1 on his resume. The God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The God who put the stars in the sky and holds them there. He knows each one by name. He knows where they are. He holds them there. The God who created all the animals, all the different species, even snakes like we saw this week in our garden. (laughs) Not so grateful for that one. But that is the God that we get to spend time with. The God who created the sea. I mean, I love going to the beach to look at the beach. I think you just see God's awesomeness and his power in the sea. And you see when the waves are massive. But with this, is the, this is who we get to hang out with when we're reading the Bible. The God that holds those seas in the palm of his hands. The God that says those massive waves and those tides this far and no further. That is the God that we get to hang out with when we're reading the Bible and we get to delight him. And the God who made us. I mean, just think about the human body. How amazing it is. How our brain just sends signals to the different parts of our body without us even thinking about it. To move, to do things, to breathe. All those things that we just don't even think about. How when we cut ourselves, it just heals. It just gets better. God designed us that way. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. And this is the God that we get to spend time with when we're reading his word. This is the God that we get to delight in. And this is the God that is going to give us true joy and true satisfaction and make us supremely happy. And he's given us good gifts. He's given us good gifts to enjoy. He's given us friends. He's given us family. He's given us houses. He's given us the church. But these gifts were never meant to satisfy us. We were never meant to find life in these gifts. These gifts are ultimately meant to point us to him, to delight in him. And that's where our true satisfaction and our true joy will really be, is when we're spending time with him in his word meditating on that but you know the blessed man is someone who reads and meditates on god's word as we saw in psalm 1 but he's also a man who applies so if you look at verse 3 it says he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers he is a doer he's not just a sit there read and meditate you know, he doesn't just sit there, get the Bible out, read the Bible, meditate on it, put it away, back on the shelf, and get up and walk on. He applies what he's read. He is blessed in the doing. We are blessed in the doing. We actually see that in James 1, verses 22 to 25 as well. It says this, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself... And goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. 
We are blessed in the doing. We are blessed in the applying. Not just blessed by the reading. We need to read, we need to meditate to get it in our heads, but then we need to actually apply. That is where we will be truly blessed. If you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and you see like a bit of toothpaste on your face or something like that, and you just walk off doing nothing, it stays there. And that's the same with God's word. If we look at ourselves in the mirror of God's word and we just walk off and change nothing, we will not be blessed. But if we do these things, if we meditate on God's God's word and we apply God's word, then we will be like the tree described in Psalm 1 verse 3. We will be fruitful. We will be durable. We will be stable. We will be steadfast and prosperous. We will be supremely happy and blessed. And that's what we want, isn't it? That's what I want for us as ladies. We want to be steadfast. We want to be fruitful. And as ladies, we also have, number two, one of the fruits from um, being a woman of the word, is we will have a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, I'm very well aware that is probably a bit like a word submission. It's not really something we necessarily want to talk about and all want. It's not something I've always been excited about. I think it's something that's a bit misunderstood. It kind of feels like it's not much fun to be gentle and quiet. and can't really have a laugh. You know, that's definitely something that I've struggled with in the past because for those of you who know me better, probably not much gentle or quiet about me. <laughs> so how does this work when you maybe are a slightly livelier person is something that I often struggled with, particularly through the teenage years, when my mouth used to get me into a lot of trouble. Now it just gets me into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> so, but Carolyn Mahaney says it this way. She says, now don't despair. A gentle and quiet spirit is not referring to a person with a quiet personality. In fact, it is possible for a girl to have a quiet personality and not have a gentle and quiet spirit. And it's just as feasible for a girl with an effervescent personality to have a gentle and quiet spirit. This spirit is not a personality type. A gentle and quiet spirit, simply put, is a steadfast peace because of a steadfast trust in God. A girl who possesses a gentle and quiet spirit humbly responds to whatever God chooses for her life, regardless of the cost. I found that so helpful. It is not about personality. You can be loud and bubbly and still have a gentle and quiet spirit. You could be quiet and shy and actually not have a gentle and quiet spirit because it's actually about an inner disposition. It's about a steadfast peace because of a steadfast trust in God. And I think, again, just bringing back to that tree image, a tree stands strong. And I think when we have a gentle and quiet spirit, we stand strong because we trust God. We trust what he has for our lives. When trials come, we're not shaken. We're not blown around like the chaff because we know the God that is holding us. We know the God, we don't know how these things are going to play out in our lives, but we know the God that is holding us in our lives. And that's why we can have that peace of spirit. That's why we can have that gentle and quiet spirit, because of who he is, and he's the one holding us. That's what a gentle and quiet spirit is. Number three, the uh, fruits of be, having, being a woman of the word is we will be discerning. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work in this Bible we have all we need for every good work we are equipped for life with this Bible, we don't actually need anything else, we just need God's word, it is competent and we will be equipped when we're feeding on God's word we all know the truth you know, people might be talking to you, might be saying things. We'll have a sense, you know what, yep, that's true. Or, you know what, no, I don't actually think what they said there was quite true because I don't think it fits in with what it says here in the Bible. When we know God's word, we will be discerning like that. We will be able to think like that. There is so much truth for life in scriptures. 
And yet so much of what we read in Scripture is actually contrary to what the world would tell us, contrary to what we're hearing all day in, day out on the TV, from friends at work, through the media, through Facebook. Sometimes the things that we hear on Facebook and through the media is very different to what God tells us. For example, the cult says to us that we need to be independent. You don't need others, particularly men, but you don't need other people. You've just got to look after number one, because that's how you're going to be happy in life. You know the best decision to make. Nobody else knows you as well as you know yourself. That's what the world says to us. But actually what the Bible says to us, in Proverbs 1 verse 5, it says, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs 11.14 says, For lack of guidance a nation falls, but many advisers make victory sure. The world tells us we don't need anyone. The Bible tells us, no, actually you do need people. To be discerning, to be wise, to make victory sure, you need people around you. We shouldn't just be going to people telling them the decisions we've made, and it's a done deal. We should, if we're wise, if we want to be discerning, we need to be going to people, people that respect, people that we know are going to be um, preaching God's word to us and speaking truth, and say, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? That's how we're called to make decisions in the Bible. That's how we're going to be fruitful. That's how we're going to be discerning. Not just looking after number one and being independent and not listening to anyone. The culture also says that this is your home. You only live once. Make the most of your life. Live for the here and now. It doesn't matter what, um, what you do in some ways because, you know, we're all going to die anyway. Enjoy the here and now. Live for now. Whereas Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ very different, isn't it? The Bible tells us the citizenship within heaven, actually it does matter what you do now, because actually what we do now affects the next life. Whereas the world says, nah, live for yourself, you only live once, make the most of it, enjoy it while you can. But you know what, ladies, we are not going to be discerning if we're not in our Bibles. We are just not. The Bible gives us a framework of how to live, but if we're not in that word, if we're not reading that God, God's word, if we're not meditating on God's word, we're going to have no clue of what that framework is. And you know, if we don't have a clue what that framework is, when the culture is speaking to us, it's going to make sense. We're going to take it on board because we haven't got the contrary view, we haven't got the biblical view, and it's going to make sense to us. That's what we need to be making sure we're in God's words, that we can apply these principles that God has in his word for us to bring us life, that we can know them and that we can apply them and that we can be discerning. So as we've seen, there is much fruit from being in God's word and there is so much more. We'll be blessed, we'll be supremely happy, we'll be delight in the Lord, we will be, have a gentle and quiet spirit. We'll be steadfast. We won't be blown around with the wind, with every tide that comes. We will be discerning. We will be wise. We'll be able to apply these scriptures to our lives. But remember, we are what we eat. So as ladies who love the Lord, we must be feeding on God's word. And now finally, number three, how can we grow in feeding on God's word? You know, there is so much material out there that helps us with this, helps us in learning how to grow and reading the Bible and to feed on God's word. And for me, I was particularly helped by Melissa Kruger, um, the Gospel Coalition writer. She actually gives us five Ps that we can do to be um, growing in God's word. So I'm going to be leaning very heavy on her on that. And then I actually added one more, so I have six Ps. Don't worry, they're not long. <laughs> that we can do, that we can plan our lives to help us feed on God's word. And the first one is prioritise. We need to prioritise our own personal time with the Lord. You know, the church is great. I love the church. Sundays is by far the best day of the week for me. I absolutely love it. It gives us many opportunities to be in God's word. You know, on Sunday morning, we get to hear from the guys who have been specifically called to teach God's word and help us apply it to our lives. We get life groups where people help us to apply the word to our lives. We get SG College now, which has been really helpful for me. I've started going to that this year, and I've really benefited from that. 
And we have Titus 2 events which talk to us about being women and how we can apply God's word to ourselves as women. The church gives us many opportunities to be meditating on and to be applying God's word, but this does not, is not enough. Psalm 1 tells us that the blessed man meditates on God's word day and night. Just feeding on a Sunday, having a little snack in life group on Wednesday, is not going to be enough to make us fruitful, to make us prosperous. If we want to be like the man in Psalm 1, we need to prioritise our own personal time with Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, reading his word, praying, meditating on God's word. And I think to do that, we need to plan. I don't know if you're like me, but if I don't plan my time with Jesus... It really doesn't often happen. I know many people don't like this. It seems a bit boring. Even you hear the word legalistic put out there sometimes. But you know, there's a difference between disciplining yourself and being legalistic. We are called to discipline ourselves. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. Training yourself. Part of training ourselves for the purpose of godliness is disciplining ourselves to be reading on God's word and meditating on God's word. Legalism is where we think that by disciplining ourselves, we are earning God's favour. That's what legalism is. Legalism is thinking that we're earning our salvation. Disciplining ourselves is realising that, that, no, I'm not earning my salvation, but God has given me the Bible as a means of grace. It's not a way of earning God's grace, but reading the Bible is a way of experiencing God's grace. And we need to plan that into our lives. We need to be intentional. It's not legalistic to plan your quiet times. And you know, we don't actually think that in any other area of our lives, do we? We come, when it comes to spending time with people who are important to us, whether that be family or friends, you know, we don't think of it as legalistic. You know, I have friends that sometimes I say, hey, you know, let's catch up for a coffee. I have never, ever had one say to me, oh, that's a bit legalistic. Let's just hang out and you go about your week and I go about mine and we'll see if our paths cross and then we'll, hey, have a coffee. You know, it just doesn't happen like that. But so often we think that should be the way our, our relationship with Jesus. Oh, only if I want to or, you know, only if it just comes up. I don't want to plan it. I don't want to be legalistic. We need to plan it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Because we get busy with other things. We get busy with other things that are going to give us life. So that was the second P, plan. The third P, P, is to prepare. Again, I don't know, there's definitely been times, if you're like me, where, okay, I've set the time, I'm going to have my quiet time, and I'm going to open the Bible, and, oh, where should I read? Mm, no, maybe not that. And by the time you finish flicking through, your time's gone. If you haven't got a plan and you haven't prepared what you're going to look at, you'll probably spend most of your time just flicking. You'll do the magic finger. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't, right? <laughs> so prepare what you are going to do. And there's, again, there's loads of materials out there that are good. I know some of you have got this Women's Devotional Bible. I know a lot of you have, actually. This I have found great. It actually has, at the beginning of each book, has a page on the book, tells you the background of the book, tells you the author of the book, tells you why it was written, tells you the themes of the book. And then throughout the pages, basically about every few pages, it has a devotional where it will take a chapter, it will open it up, it will explain a bit to you about what it's about, and it will ask you questions that will help you apply it to your life and give you things to pray about. I found this excellent, so I would highly recommend that if anyone hasn't got that. The other thing I would recommend is the, um, which actually Janelle put me on to the beginning of this year, which I've been doing, is it's called Reading, Reading Scriptures reading scripture the app it's an app that you can put on your phone and it basically it will take you through the bible it's actually just under a year and as it takes you through the different books it uses the bible project again i don't know if any of you have heard of that but that's a company that actually puts videos together on to help us understand the bible so when you start genesis it tells you about genesis and it tells you how genesis fits into the bigger scheme of the bible and then as you go through the book and you hit different themes of the bible 
It gives you more videos and explains to you about how that fits into the, what you're reading. It is excellent. And it is free, which is also an added bonus. So I would highly recommend that. I know Dave put a link up to it, I think, on the Sovereign Grace um, Facebook page the other week, but I might just go ahead and put it on the SG Women's page as well, just to help us find it. The only caution I would say with that is it is a lot of reading in one day. So, but don't worry about having to do it in one day, you know, like Josh was doing that. I said, don't think you have to do all that reading in one day. It will be a lot. So spread it over what other time frame is going to work for you. But it is a great resource, and I've really enjoyed it. It's really helped me get a bigger picture of the storyline of the Bible. So those are a couple of resources that we can do. The other thing I would say is be realistic. You know what, if you haven't read the Bible for a while, or you've never really been great at reading the Bible by yourself, don't plan an hour quiet time up front. <laughs> You're probably going to fail. It's probably not going to go too well. You know, last year I actually decided um, to download the Couch to 5K app. I decided I was going to start running again, and I got really unfit and was really out of it, so I knew I couldn't just go ahead and do it. So I downloaded this app, and basically what it helps you do is it helps you build your stamina up to the 5K. You know, you run for a minute, you walk for two, then you run for three minutes and you walk for one. That sort of thing. That's the sort of thing we need to be doing with our quiet times too. You know, if you're not used to it, be realistic. Plan 10 minutes. 10 minutes. All you need to do. But be realistic and then build it up over time. Don't set yourself a massive goal that's going to be hard to stick to. Number four, then the fourth P is purge. Now, decluttering seems to be all the rage at the moment. I keep telling myself I'm going to declutter, and I don't fully get to it, but after this breakfast, I will be getting to it. And you only actually have to look at SG giveaways. It's been going crazy over the last <laughs> few weeks to realise that everyone is decluttering at the beginning of the year. And we need to do the same with our lives. You know, remember, if we don't have the time to read the Bible, it's not because we have a business problem, it's because we have a belief problem. Basically, if we're saying we don't have time, something is in our lives that shouldn't be there. We are prioritising something over God's word that shouldn't be there. So I encourage you, go through your timetable. If you're saying, I don't have time, go through your timetable, look at what you're doing, look at what you're spending yourself, your time on, and ask yourself, is this more important than reading God's word? Because we can all find time for what's important to us. So purge. Number five, persevere. Now, I know all this kind of sounds easy in one sense, a bit like getting fit, you know. Eat well, go for a run, you'll be fit. It's really not that easy. <laughs> um, and it's the same for this. It is not as easy as it sounds. We need to persevere. We need people around us that are going to encourage us, that are going to ask us, hey, how's it going? Not in like a condemnation kind of way, but just as in to spur us on kind of way. Um, we need to persevere with reading the Bible. There's going to be times where you open the Bible, I have these times, you'll read it and you'll be like, hmm, I'm really sure that was about. Didn't get much out of that. But just keep going. Just persevere. Keep going with the task. Jay Adams says this. He says, too many Christians give up. They want change too soon. What they seem to want is change without the daily struggle. Sometimes they give up when they are on the very threshold of success. They stop before receiving. Listen to this. It usually takes at least three weeks of proper daily effort for one to feel comfortable in performing a new practice. And it takes about three more weeks to make that practice as part of oneself. Yet many Christians do not continue for three days. <laughs> so true, isn't it? Particularly at the times, we want everything now. So if they do not receive instant success, they get discouraged. They want what they want right now. And if they don't get it, they quit. How often is that true? I know it can be true in my life. I want it to have bare fruit right now. I want it to have an effect right now. But you know what? When you see trees growing... You don't often see the fruit appear. You might see a little bud. 
And then a few weeks later, you might see that bud has grown a little bit more into like a very small apple or whatever it's grown into. Then a month or so later, you'll see a big apple, big shiny red apple on the tree. You don't see that grow. And that's going to be the same with us in our Christian life. We're not always going to see the bearing fruit part. We're not always going to see the process. But just keep going. Three weeks of daily effort to, to perform a new habit. Three extra weeks to make it solid, solidify in our lives. That's what it takes. Don't give up. Keep persevering. And finally, pray. We need God's help. We need God's help to develop new habits. Certainly I do. It doesn't come easy to me. I don't do well. We need God's help. Change is hard. And yes, all scripture is God-breathed, but we need the Holy Spirit to enlighten it to us. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand what it's saying. These books are good. The devotionals are good, but we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. So be prayerful when we are praying and when we are meditating on God's word. And you know, God wants to meet us in that. He's not kind of like some kind of sick father that doesn't want to bless his children. He does want to bless us. So if we're praying to him, if we're asking him for help, he will help us. So let's be praying. All right, in conclusion then, whether we like it or not, we are what we eat. So as ladies who love the Lord, we need to be feeding on God's word. We are what we eat, we'll become what we read, we'll become what we spend our time doing, what we start meditating on, we will become those things. So let's make those things God's word. Let's make that a priority in our life. And let's be aware that there are things that are going to hinder us. Let's be aware of our times of our unbelief when we're tempted to think that life is found in these other things. Let's be aware of that. Let's be aware of the enemy. You know, when you think, I just don't want to get up this morning. You know, I was up three times in the night. Surely an extra five minutes is going to do me good. You know, extra five minutes of reading God's word is going to do you more good than an extra five minutes of sleep or whatever. I'm not saying you have to read in the morning either. Some people do well at night. I don't. My eyes would close. But um, if just plan a time. But beware of those lies that Satan is telling you that is trying to talk you out of it. And remember the fruit. Remember the fruit that we can experience in feeding on God's word. We'll be blessed. We'll be supremely happy. We'll have that deep-seated joy. When you have that relationship with God, you will delight in him. We will have that gentle and quiet spirit. We won't be tossed around with the wind when it comes along. We'll be steadfast. We'll be strong. We'll be like that tree stood by streams of water that yields its fruit. And we'll be discerning. We'll be wise. We'll be wise for life. We'll be wise for ourselves, helping ourselves make decisions better. We'll be able to help our friends make decisions better. We will be discerning. So I just want to encourage yourselves along with myself, would we be women of the word this year? And would we keep looking up as we seek to do this with him and for him, for his glory? Thank you, ladies. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for the reminder of the gift we have in your word, Lord. The gift you've given to us that so often we can just leave sat on the shelf for way too long. Lord, I pray for each one of us here that we'd be encouraged this morning, not condemned, but we'd be encouraged to start reading your word more and more, Father. And Lord, would you help it to bear much fruit in our lives? Would you help us to come alongside each other and encourage each other in this task and in meditating on your word, the Lord, that we may glorify you in all we do. Amen. Thank you, ladies. What is the time now? We still have 25 minutes.